Welcome everyone again to Above the Fold. Um, we have a special guest with us today, um, Garrett Mayer Goot, co-founder and CEO of Directive, uh, a marketing agency. Looking forward to kind of get uh, get into this, uh, take on some of his ideas, and and see what he's all about. Um, Garrett, can you give our audience just a quick rundown of who you are and what Directive is all about? Yeah, thanks, Francis. Uh, great to be on the show. Excited to chat with you and Baker. Uh, Directive is a B2B and enterprise uh, search marketing agency. We specialize in helping those brands become discoverable for the products and services they sell, uh, as well as generating opportunities, deals, and revenue, and MQLs. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun, you know, I'll have a blast doing it. It's a fun agency, and, you know, we've been blessed to see some success and do awesome work. And Jeff, you had a specific, you wanted to launch right into the topic of, um, of brand versus SEO, right? No, 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 not yet. No, you um, don't want to do I've, that I've at got, all. I've okay. Got, I've got to, <laughs> I got to build my ego up a little bit first. Garrett, how did you guys, how did you guys find, find it? You guys came to us. How did you guys find us? Uh, I have a amazingly talented, uh, PR media person named Ashton uh -huh. and, um, I essentially have used the VA to put together every marketing related podcast on the market. And then she pitches, calls, bugs people until they put me on the show. Uh, one of the lovely parts about podcasting is you're only as good as your last episode. And so you all need guests 24 seven. So it's a lot easier <laughs> podcast opportunities than it is guest posting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a straight shooter. So, so it's a, the way podcasts work, I mean, it's brutal. You guys literally have to keep producing content. You have to keep having guests. So it's very a lot easier to get secure on a podcast than any other type of media opportunity. Yeah, that's true. I, that's true. Yeah. We we always do need guests, and if somebody tunes in and one episode sucks, you have to be Joe Rogan to get them back. So it, every episode <laughs> has to be pretty good, um, which is probably why we don't do very well. Um, no, Jeff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been for a minute though. You guys were on. Uh, you guys are also in the content marketing. Uh, world and you guys have done you know well in the content market institute and your agency list and things like that so no, i've been aware of Rappin for a minute it's not bad our uh actually our, our subscriber list has gone beyond our parents well actually francis your mom isn't a listener right or no no your no, wife's not doesn't. a listener my sister my sister does my wife doesn't your sister crap, does so yeah your wife yeah. doesn't care yeah you're right <laughs> my grandma even listened that's a third and apparently garrett's been listening so that's pretty cool um but yeah. did you hear francis we're not special they were they were going through and, and they're just like shotgun approaching everybody. So I I know so I your almost ego would have preferred if you way lied down. if you yeah <laughs> right <laughs> way down exactly. <laughs> All right, well my my ego is not boosted, but I guess we can continue on. Um, <laughs> Garrett, yeah, you wanted to talk about like I guess it was a you could call it an unpopular opinion, right? So your topic here was your brand is more important than your website when it comes to SEO. Um, I have no idea what that means. <clears throat> Francis, do you know, do you know what that means? I know you're going to explain it to us, but do you know what that means, Francis? I, I have an idea maybe, but no, I'm, I'm interested too. I want to hear it from the men. Garrett, what, what does that mean? Teach us. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem being the villain. So the, <laughs> the, the thing is, is right. SEO started in 1997. We've been doing this for about 22 years, give or take. And it's always been about our website. It's kind of like this self-reflected, egotistical thing of my website needs to show up. And it, with the, the power of your website showing up, right, is you can have your own tracking scripts, you can build your own audience, you can actually own this asset. And then Google likes to remind us that we're essentially renting their audience 
and we only get to call it ours because they let us, right? And what I mean by that is they're constantly doing things like featured snippets. God forbid your name's Expedia and your whole flight booking engine gets demolished overnight, right? So what they're essentially saying is, yes, we are God when it comes to digital in the sense that we control your audience. And Amazon come, comes along for direct-to-consumer and says, once again, you know, you can have your website, but frankly, we outrank you. You might as well rent space from us, pay the margin, decrease your own essentially new user acquisition costs, put that into essentially our affiliate fee or whatever that's called, and you can acquire revenue through us, right? So everyone essentially who has the audience or the searcher is winning, whether that's Amazon for direct-to-consumer or Google when it comes to B2B enterprise and other types of information. Now, we as marketers have decided a long time ago that if we rank for keywords involved with our product or services, we can get people to our website, we can turn those into leads, and we can make money, okay? Now, the problem is, is due to something that I like to call the Yelp and the Amazon effect. And our industry in SEO has kind of left this little kind of nuance out of the table. They kind of just left this out of the conversation and said, oh, we're not going to talk about that much. And here's the little fact that SEO doesn't like to talk about. They don't like to say that if, you know, in the audience right now, if you're on your phone or on your computer, you can search top ERP software. All right, I'm going to do it right now. Check this out. As you're doing that, Jeff, what you're going to notice is no individual company that sells ERP software ranks in the top 10. You might even see a little widget above the fold of top kind of related ERP companies like with Microsoft Dynamics, SAP, and other players. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a carousel at the top that just lists out all of the companies. It's maybe like 20, com- oh, Jesus, it just keeps going on and on. It's like 20 companies. I've got four ad positions, um, no SERP features, and then reviews, 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 and some news stories, and that's it. Okay, so verified, correct. Cool. So are we going to then assume that Microsoft Dynamics doesn't care about SEO and they have no content team? Are we going to assume that SAP does not care about SEO, has a terrible domain authority, unauthoritative website, and can't rank? No. What we need to assume is that due to the Yelp and the Amazon effect, Google has decided that people like to comparison shop. And check this out. If they want a comparison shop for their $5 taco, they definitely want a comparison shop for their $5 million ERP software. In other words, we have kind of thought, oh, well, B2B is different. Enterprise is different. Search engines, no, no, no. Like that's just local businesses. But the truth is, is Google's recognized that their user that we borrow prefers third-party review sites that are authentic, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, really they're pay-to-play, to to essentially allow their users to have multiple options and then decide for themselves who they want to choose. Okay? So if you're doing SEO and you try to tell a client that I'm going to rank you number one for top ERP software, what I would say is BS. You can build as many links as you want. You can write as good a content as you want. You can do every SEO tactic in the book. Google's saying that an individual website's not the best answer to this intent. And so the problem is, is that you across the board in enterprise and B2B are going to start to see diminishing traffic to your website. But that doesn't mean that search is not important. It means we need to say that SEO, search marketing, is about the discoverability of your brand for the products and services you sell, 
not about the discoverability of your website. I'm writing the book on this right now. I'm also building software products on this right now that'll actually show how discoverable your brand is, not mm. how discoverable your website is. Because if you're only worried about your website, you're gonna fail. Short little case study. I've had the blessing of working with one of the largest insurance providers in the world over the last three years. We do in the country. Progressive. Uh, they, no, but very similar. Let's just say mm. they're in that same conversation, okay? Baker Insurance. It's Baker Insurance. They, yeah, they do insurance <laughs> for most of us. And, it's my side hustle, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and the, when they came to us, one of their biggest problems is we know we're doing better and we get more leads for our agents, but our website traffic's going down every year. Why? Google My Business is taking more real estate. Yelp is taking more real estate. Google Ads on mobile is pushing mm -hmm. our organic results down below the fold. And we know for direct consumer that most people are on mobile, not desktop. And as you're getting all these different things, they're trying to say, how do we justify our value as an SEO department who's for centuries been graded upon, it feels like, essentially traffic. That's how mm -hmm. we're deep valuable, keywords and traffic. And what I'm saying is it's no longer about keywords and traffic. It's about the discoverability of your brand. It doesn't matter if they find your website. They need to find your brand. And that's the bigger picture. So I would argue that the language that you used in this example, best ERP software, the intent behind that usually is somebody that's looking for some unbiased comparison shopping, some unbiased reviews. So anytime you do top or best or um, leading, anything like that, I would argue that the intent behind that is for somebody to look at some sort of comparison website on a neutral, unbiased website, right? Um, which is why anytime a client comes to us and they say, I want to rank for best XYZ software, best whatever, I, I always tell them, no, don't do that because everybody, nobody's going to click on it. If you do rank on page one, nobody's going to click on it because obviously you're going to rank yourself the best. You're not an unbiased party. So in that instance, I completely agree with you. However, what about in the space where people aren't searching with that type of intent? They have commercial intent, like they're looking up very specific type of ERP software. Okay, so they're looking for um, healthcare ERP software. I mean, there's still a, a case to be made. That, that's not kind of- But Jeff, search it. Search it and kind of do the same thing. See what happens when you search um, uh, that. I've never searched it, so- I would be very confident that you're still going to have software by G2 Crowd and Captera ranking in the top three, which is going to account for 75% of the market share of all clicks. Ah, damn it. Yep. This is not <laughs> just one query. I live this. I spoke around the country the last two years on this. Well, my point here is the reason I lead with these, Jeff and Francis, is because these keywords are the most expensive in Google Ads. In other words, they have buying intent. And due to that buying intent, the people who also pay us to do SEO pay us to do PPC, right? We manage almost all of their search marketing for a lot of these players. And what we found is we want to essentially take someone's Google Ads account, mine their search term report, and from that search term report, find the essentially exact keywords people are searching when they're most likely have the best cost per acquisition. If we sync it into their Salesforce using Google Quick ID or any SQL database, we can also see exactly which keywords have the greatest opportunities, deals, and revenue and do a full attribution model. Those are usually buy intent related terms like buy, top, best, et cetera, mm -hmm. or vertical specific terms as Jeff pointed out. And so from that, those are going to be your most expensive keywords with the highest buying intent. So a lot of times those are obviously the ones you want to rank for in organic to lower your cost per acquisition, increase your market share in that SERP, and then grow essentially overall revenue. 
Unfortunately, if you're trying to do it with your website by building a top ERP software page, which most of the market accidentally does in pursuit of this, and then they don't understand why they're not ranking, they don't know the game's changed, and they don't have any way mm-hmm. of measuring the success of what they're doing internally to management because they're seeing decreasing organic traffic a lot of times, even or they're seeing increase in organic traffic from top of funnel related queries and informational intent, but they're seeing a decrease in organic, essentially opportunities, deals, and revenue. And so what happens is, right, smart management teams say, that's great, Jeff, that's great, Francis, y'all are crushing it with traffic, but frankly, I only care about deals and revenue, and that's not going up. What's going on here? And so we need a better way to cast the story of how to position a brand to be discovered to generate ROI, and the game's changed a little bit, and and nobody's talking about it. Garrett, in your vision, um, is the idea that this has, where we want a world where we don't need Google anymore? where it's something else, where it's not like blah, blah, blah. Because what I'm hearing is that there's another way. You don't want to be doing this and your brand is more important. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm starting to understand. I, I, I think you're onto something because I do understand the fact that at some point, you know, search is going to change anyway. But I guess my first question is, is this meant, it sounds like it's not, but is it meant to be in a world where Google doesn't really exist or is it something else? No, it's just about the old, it's just about going back to traditional marketing and getting away from this idea that we have to own, it has to be our website, it has to be an owned asset, and that's all that's valuable. My point being is we need to understand what Google is doing, and we don't need to manipulate Google. We need to work in tandem with Google. In other words, if Google is saying third-party sites are going to rank really well here, let's just get on third-party sites. If If you want to be the stubborn donkey... You're going to lose because you're trying to essentially beat Google and you don't beat Google. You don't manipulate Google. You can, sure, you'll eventually lose. It's not real marketing. My point is, is let's just understand how consumers want to buy mm-hmm. and then position ourselves to be discovered so they choose us over the competition. That's all SEO was in the first place was you were trying to rank when people were searching. Now what we're saying is, and then what happened, right? If it's only by your own website, you can only usually rank maybe once if you're lucky and it's crazy twice for a keyword. But so what we always did as SEOs is we said, we need to rank for more keywords. What I'm saying is we need to take more market share for the keywords that make us money. So it'd be better to show up with an ad, to show up with your own website, to show up on third-party sites and take market share around highly profitable terms instead of trying to take market share for things that could work or couldn't work. In other words, I call these KPDs, key performance drivers for your business. A uh, key performance driver is essentially like, let's say Jeff, you know, someone's like I was saying, you know, you guys have a really good healthcare page that's vertically specific for an ERP software company. Let's go build out all the other verticals they service. Let's leverage customer success stories. Let's be discoverable there. So we've seen it work. That's like an alpha campaign. We have statistical significance. We know it's driven revenue. We're going to double down. An opportunity campaign is more of like an educational series around why you need essentially this ERP software for your industry. Here's how we can help you. Here's uh, use cases for it. Essentially, and then we hope, right, that we can take someone's lead for a gated asset or, you know, have a chatbot conversation or they'll fill out our form randomly because the timing was right. That'll go into our automation tool. We'll warm them up, go to the SDR team. That'll go to an account executive. We'll turn them into op to a deal, to a revenue. And that's a key performance opportunity, right? If we don't have any experience in that could work, but we got to test it out. My whole point here is like, we don't need to manipulate Google. We just need to understand where Google's going and make mm. sure our brand is discoverable. That was the whole point of SEO and PPC from the start was when people search for keywords that matter to you, you showed up. I'm saying that uh, the game's changed a little bit and sometimes your website can't even show up. But that doesn't mean your brand shouldn't. 
And so if you're only determining essentially your value as a search professional or an in-house marketing manager based on traffic or website conversions, but not the overall discoverability of your brand, you're missing the bigger picture of like the fact that direct traffic grows every month for me and my entire client base and all the other things that are rolled out, right? Google's IO conference, they're changing the way cookies and all these things are happening. 20% you got GDPR. Like if we keep only valuing website traffic, we are going to get our butt kicked as search professionals because no matter what happens, we're going to see diminishing returns due to the nature of privacy, due to the nature of Google SERP features and where the industry's heading. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I, I think I halfway agree with you if I fully understand. Because um, in certain instances, I think that it's completely keyword dependent. So it's SERP dependent. Like if you choose a particular type of keyword and it really, it really doesn't uh, warrant any type of... Um, SERP that contains review pages or anything like that, then there's still a case to be made for owning that. Like, for example, we we redid all of our SEO a couple of years ago, went from everything before was all informational intent. There was no commercial intent, no transactional intent, traffic coming in. Redid everything, and we ended up ranking on page one for about, I think it was 26 out of 35 core terms, something like that. And it quadrupled our, our leads, and which in turn... Um, has made the business go up quite substantially. We don't have to explain inbound marketing on this call. The audience already knows that. But there's huge commercial value in ranking for those particular keywords. But I can see in the instance where, like this one here, software ERP, then, yeah, you need to get listed on review websites, list business listing websites, things like that. Um, so is, is what you're saying just... A combination of both, like I'm talking about? Not, not like just abandon SEO. No, no, you're spot on, baby. Like, I rank number one oh. for SEO agency. Like, I, I, I eat my own caviar. Like, I rank number yeah. one for SEO agency. Eat my own caviar. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's good. Okay, like, I literally, like, like I get what you're saying. The yeah. problem is, is everyone says that your website's the most important, and they forgot yeah. the reason why people spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl commercials, the history of advertising, and how consumers make purchasing decisions. And the big thing that's changed is at your most expensive keywords in Google ads, where the buying intent is strongest, where people, where the timing is the most hot, individual websites are starting to not rank, period. And the problem is that is if you're tracking it to a CRM level, you're going to start to see fewer and fewer, essentially, keywords going directly into opportunities, and they're going to start going more into leads which means they're going to be more MQL driven than revenue driven. And things are starting to shift in the landscape and no one's paying attention to it. And so a lot of people across the board are seeing diminishing numbers and they can't understand why. So they're pivoting strategy, they're doing all these things, but they're not understanding that the game is changing and that they need to really start to really, really, really pour into brand and not in like a, like a weird way, in a positioning way. And that's literally, that should become the job of search, not the job of some other department. So if SEOs were more worried and saying, how could my brand show up as often as possible in the search engine results page, my website or not, they'd be a hell of a lot better search marketers and companies yeah. would be a lot better off. So it's yeah. not that your website isn't, doesn't matter anymore, that you shouldn't try to rank. It's that that's just one of the 10 options, right? Like we got to think, how do we get positioned across the board, right? You can go to those news sites, you can do targeted placements and you can take market share using Google's display network on targeted placements for keywords that rank in the top five in your buying journey. Really cool mm-hmm. tactic. 
You can take Google ads on search ads. You can go after third-party review sites. You can do your own website in organic. But if you're only thinking about your website, you're missing the bigger picture and you're forgetting about just positioning your brand to be discovered. So what do you say to your prospects that come to you when they say, I want to rank for XYZ keywords? I was just talking to, we had uh, Tim Solo on from Hrefs and he was just chatting about it because he had a very similar unpopular opinion. It was talking about like how you need to stop focusing on ranking number one for XYZ keyword. So it's kind of a similar uh, conversation that you have to have with prospects. So how do you have that conversation with a prospect when they come to you saying, I'm expecting to, I'm paying you to rank number one for this keyword. And you have to turn around and say to them, well, it's not about that. It's more about this. What does that look like? Well, I first come up and I just kind of, I'm a very business oriented individual, I think. So I'm not like an SEO nerd. The sense of like, I hope you know what I'm talking about. Like in the SEO community, there's a lot of people that would rather go back and forth about the power of server-side rendering and log file analysis. And, and that's just not me. Hi. Not yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. So that doesn't mean those things aren't valuable. It's just not where my passion lies. My passion lies more in understanding how... So when someone says, I want to rank for these keywords, I'll first say, okay, do you have a current analytics model or an attribution system mm-hmm. that allows us to determine if those keywords are truly driving revenue for you? 99.9% of the time, no. Now, with our publicly traded companies in large kind of conglomerates and enterprise companies, we don't get a lot of data access. I'm lucky to get Google Analytics. So that's a little bit harder. So I have to use kind of third-party data that I've built from my other clients to make my points. But mm-hmm. what we try to do is say, let's track using Google Click ID and SQL and other tools and correlate those in your APIs from Marketo, Pardot, Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics. And let's actually show which keywords are driving revenue. And then let's just take more market share. Then I go to something like advanced web ranking. And I show the click-through rate models and I show them yeah. potentially if you're outside the top five, it doesn't matter. So we do yeah. more like all keyword analysis. We find every keyword that's ranking between five and 10 and we push those keywords into the top five and you get a heck of a lot more success that way. You know, and that's low-hanging fruit. Content creation isn't inherently required. You can do more on-page targeting, internally linking, and you get a lot more freedom in difficult environments like enterprise to get results. But I try to educate just around the value of how, how do they generate revenue from organic. And then once we understand how they're doing it, their drivers there, we double down on their drivers, and then we start to explore opportunities. So wait, you have clients coming to you asking for SEO results, but they won't give you access to Google Analytics commonly? All the time, man. That's like, it's like being asked to, to paint a portrait while you're hogtied and being punched in the face. Yeah, so I have to develop... <laughs> how does that work? So I have to have like a full, like I have all the third-party APIs that I can go into dashboards and stuff to use like third-party APIs to essentially like take SEMrush, Ahrefs data and other things and model it right. and if I can get their API or not. But honestly, no, I mean, I, like we got to do a bunch of stuff for Tencent, uh, never got their GA. Um, big, large TV company you've probably heard about from Asia that has a lot of TVs in your house and in your office. Uh, they didn't give us any <laughs> analytics access. Sharp, Panasonic. You're getting close, yeah. So <laughs> my, my point is like, you know, it's happening. I'm going to get them. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break an NDA today before we get off this thing. I know. I'm three years <laughs> into one, that insurance company, and we just got um, Search Console, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it, it it is not a thing, unfortunately. In a lot of these organizations, they... Some of them literally like can't even due to their data security, can't even use Google Docs or 
Google Sheets. So you can't, you have to like, yeah, it's a little, it's a whole other world. Um, when we're doing that stuff, for sure. It's crazy. So, so I've got a client. I don't have a client, but I've got a fictional client that is in healthcare ERP. And they came to me and they said they want to rank for healthcare, best healthcare ERP. What's the first move that you make? Um, I set up uh, all their channel attribution so that I can measure things on a cost per opportunity level instead of a cost per acquisition. One of the biggest things I've found is that uh, there's a huge, huge, huge difference between a cost per acquisition, aka marketing data, and cost per opportunity, sales data. And so what I do is I get all of that data first, and then I just reallocate spend. Like we took one of our publicly traded clients called Exactly, who I can't talk about, and we increased their whole pipeline by 300% without spending a cent or doing a ton of crazy stuff by just reallocating spend to cost per opportunity instead of cost per acquisition. So opportunity, Mm -hmm. in my qualification of that word, means essentially demo or proposal was given. And so what Mm -hmm. we did was we focused on the channels that were driving demos, not the channels in Google Analytics that were driving conversions. And so when we shifted spend there, it's huge growth. It's crazy. We don't talk about this nearly enough in search marketing, the importance of budget analysis. Like spend and time are the two biggest drivers of growth. But as consultants, we rarely help our clients better focus their time or better focus their spend at least not enough in my opinion. And that's where we see our greatest results. Yeah. Time. That's a good point. It happens all the time. It happened with us. Actually, we had to have a little bit of humble pie. We added a request a demo button tick box on our, uh, on our ebook download forms. And uh, we got that thing checked like 40 times a month, something like that on top of all the other inbound. And we're like, Oh shit, our inbound is way through the roof. This is great. And then, you know, if you actually track back and see how many of those converted, it's like one out of a hundred and you actually lose money running all those demos. So attribution is pretty important, especially if you don't want to waste a whole bunch of time like that. Um, and putting it towards, you know, actually leads that do convert. That makes sense. I think what's interesting, Garrett, of what you're talking about is that there's um, a lot of people in the industry have been talking about just content marketing, digital marketing in, in general. And that at some point, it's going to turn into just marketing, where the traditional marketing or even advertising just starts to converge or kind of leans into it. And suddenly it's all just marketing. And honestly, the way you're talking now and how you're focusing on this is the thing that's going to make us money and this is what we have to care about. And it feels like in a weird way, going back a little bit to traditional marketing, but there's a reason why that worked. And we just have better, there's better outlets now, there's better ways to do this. And I wonder if this is um, even a, a bigger step toward that, where it doesn't, it's just marketing at this point. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and I'm so guilty of this. I've been doing this every day for 24 seven, it feels like, where I can't turn off for five years straight. And that's not a ton of time, in all honesty, but it feels like a long time. And we as marketers get addicted to the cocaine of conversions. And what I mean by that is we do all sorts of things for our business and for our efforts to the data that we're tracking. And we very, 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 very rarely actually have sales data. Okay. Like across my whole portfolio, we got to work with about 75 accounts right now. And less than I'd say 5% of them have actual working CRMs that allow us to do the stuff we really even care about. And it's a very large problem, unfortunately. And what I mean by that is they don't have correctly. They don't have any visible or Google Click ID set up. 
They don't know where any of their deals come from. And I'm talking $400 million companies. I'm talking billion dollar companies don't know yet. And so you're supposed to go in, you look at their form requests and you go and say, I'm going to increase form requests. So what do you do? You could focus essentially pivot spend into Bing ads. You could and get a lower CPA, increase spend. And because you can't track on the back end, you can't correlate that even though conversions went through the roof, revenue dipped. Because what we don't know, and this is the truth, is optimizing to cost per acquisition for large average order value contracts is the worst thing that's ever happened to search marketing. The worst thing. What I mean by that is we go in to large software companies where they have large deal sizes. And as search marketers, we're told to increase volume. So what do we do? We take their most expensive keywords, we pivot spend away from those, we increase search impression share for their cheaper cost per acquisitions, and we grow volume. But because we can't correlate that back into their Salesforce or their HubSpot, we don't understand that what we did was the reason those keywords were expensive because everybody else is willing to pay for them because they're turning into revenue. And so we optimized our CPA and we accidentally decreased revenue while driving marketing metrics. And this happens every damn day. And it's one of the worst things about marketing is we're doing everything off of our Google Analytics data and our Adobe Analytics and our Marketo and our Pardot and our HubSpot. We're not looking at Salesforce because we don't have the data and we do things that hit our numbers that people want from us, but we accidentally cost people money doing the right thing. It doesn't really surprise me. I mean, this is like a... It's almost like a traditional silo between sales and marketing. It seems like it's always been that way, so especially when it, especially when it comes to SEO, because that's just so far, so far removed, you know, from um, from their wheelhouse, and it's kind of new. That it, it, it doesn't surprise me too much to hear that. And there's some cool stuff though, Jeff. The good news is like you can do some really cool stuff these days with APIs. Like we have this thing in Sysense where I can overlay essentially like search traffic value from SEM Rush referring domains from Ahrefs, keywords in the top five from SEMrush, and then organic traffic from Google Analytics into one line graph. And I can draw correlations across my whole portfolio across what actually has the greatest correlations to each other. So like I found that referring domains and total traffic are the two most correlated things across our whole portfolio than anything else in a given period. So if you can look at new referring domains and organic traffic growth, those things are hugely correlated still in 2019. And so the cool part about data is we can start to really look at things in accurate ways and be really good consultants as agencies to, to kind of protect ourselves against people going in-house because they won't have these benchmarks data. They won't have these other tools to really make educated decisions about what's statistically significant and what will drive results. So, you know, but yeah, you're right. Marketing and sales, honestly, across our whole portfolio still live at odds with each other. They compete for budget with each other. They compete with credit with each other. They compete for headcount with each other. And uh, it's unfortunate. It's what's holding back most organizations in B2B and enterprise is they can't get the data perfectly talking to each other. Shockingly, too, even huge organizations, yeah. even enterprise organizations. Um, and actually, it's, it's probably less surprising that it's enterprise organizations that have that issue more often than others because you've got bureaucracy, you've got huge teams, and the bigger the teams get... Oddly enough, the less there's communication between the two teams. And the software is not hard, Jeff. That's the craziest part. Like we literally had an intern make this and it's not even hard. It's honestly simple. The problem is, is you can't get the product, potentially the engineers that are on product. You can't get any of their time to write this. There's nobody dedicated to it. The sales ops people don't know SQL, so they can't get the two to talk. There's like this kind of like little technical gap that hopefully is going to get erased in the next kind of five years. 
But yeah, it, it's a very simple problem to solve. All the software exists, but the focus and the priority from executives across the board isn't there yet. And that's the big thing. So is that um, a big focus of the book? You had mentioned you're writing a book on this. Is that the focus? Is that the thing that helps change the game and helps change the minds of, of the people that are making these decisions to focus on the wrong thing? Well, you guys tell me. I mean, I've been so nervous trying to write this book. I, I, I'm trying to learn how to share my opinions more freely, like on my own. I love doing this kind of stuff, but I'm not the kind of guy who likes to do, you know, 10 LinkedIn stories on an iPhone a day. And it's kind of hard for me to do that. But I'm like working on it. And, but the whole point of the book is it's called Discoverable. And essentially, it's more of a field manual, how to build a search marketing center for excellence. In other words, you can Google a trillion how-to posts and step-by-step guides for everything that's out there. But there's no, I haven't found a resource that says, here's how to build an in-house search marketing team. Here's how to set up your KPIs and reporting so they directly correlate to revenue. Here's how to hire search marketers. Here's how to manage search marketers. Here's how to report on search marketing. And so that's what I'm building is more of the executive kind of approach to search marketing of here's how you make it like a full-fledged channel that is professional, that is accountable, that is detailed. And that's the book I'm writing because it doesn't exist. And that's the biggest, I think, deficiency in the entire marketplace is the maturity of how to manage teams, how to hire, how to report, how to track, how to do all those things. I think what's interesting about that is that one, it's, it's, it's difficult only because the nature of the industry changes so frequently and can pivot on a, on a dime that recruiting and building that team almost, almost isn't completely focused on skills and more focused on who is the person that's hungry to learn 10 things in the next year that, because they're going to be 10 things that don't exist right now and they have to be into it as opposed to being an expert on those 10 things now. Like that's, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know if that's a personality thing. I don't know if that's an obstacle course you got to take people through, but um, I think that's the, the weird thing is that you have to find that right weird group of people to be able to do that. No, you're spot on, Francis. I mean, right now, I literally, the meeting before this, I'm talking about how we're using personality assessments at Directive plus competency assessments because hiring senior talent is one of the most difficult things in search marketing, hands down. It is so much easier to teach a young per- person essentially the the skill sets of search marketing than trying to take an experienced marketer and then walk them through search. It, it, it's something I haven't been able to crack here at Directive. It's why I see so much youth in search marketing. It's a very fast changing space where you have to be hungry to learn. It, it, and it changes so fast that oftentimes the cost of the experience you're buying is now outdated and hasn't been updated. And so, you know, it, it's a difficult thing. And that's what kind of the book is about is, you know, the importance of discoverability for your brand and then how to actually make your brand discoverable, not through tactics, but through how companies actually work, which is management. You know, at the end of the day, you have to be able to manage teams, empower teams, focus teams, track results for teams. And that's, you know, what I'm really passionate about. If I'm honest, I, and I'm, I'm saying this without any kind of, re, um, I'll just, I'll just say it, man. I don't know if it's a book you're really talking about, because if you think of the traditional book, the second you release that, you're already writing the rewrite or you're already trying to update it somewhere or somehow because the second it's out, things are going to shift and change. I don't know what it is then, it's, but it, I feel like it's something that's a little bit more um, adaptable, dynamic. Maybe it's a video series. Maybe it's an app. I don't know. An app that you, even a podcast even, where every other you know week or month you're able to kind of say, whoa, shit changed already. Everything I just said two weeks ago is different. Now this is what to focus on. 
you're, you're spot on, Francis. That's why the book isn't going to have one tactic. I don't want it to be about tactics. And I want it to Got be it. about methodology, approach, mm-hmm. and fundamentals. Because there's so much out there on tactics that everybody knows tactics, but nobody knows strategy. In other words, everybody knows how to do one-off things. And I call that outputs, but people don't know how to do outcomes. In other words, they know how to do a bunch of things to generate outputs, but they don't know how that correlates into sales, the finance, the gross profit, and the actual business to create a growth engine. And so the book is about helping essentially mature search marketing in the sense of it becoming more of a professional business-driven deliverable, not a one-off growth hackery tactic-based kind of cheekiness. And it's trying to shift that perspective. (laughs) Sorry. All all I could think of was Tim Ferriss when you were saying that. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, man. I know. You're trying not to create a Tim Ferriss book. I I appreciate, I appreciate that. I know. I know. The problem is it's Tim Ferriss. I'm going to get like three people to buy this sucker. I'd rather buy yours. I'd rather buy yours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wake up at 4.59 exactly. I sit on four activated almonds while hanging upside down reading poetry. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, what you said about maturing the search professionals, making getting them to that next level, I think that's compelling. And I think all you got to do is paint the picture of what it feels like right now. When And it is very much like, where is the strategy? What are we doing? We're just focusing on client wants this. Let's get that number. Let's show them that chart that goes up and to the right. Um, but there's there's a there's a different way, you know, and there's a better way. And guess what? There's a way that makes money. And who cares about the chart that goes up to the right? Where's the money that shows up in the bank account? Regardless of how, well, maybe not regardless of how it got there, but there's a better way to do it. Um, and and I think I, I, I'm with Jeff. I want to see this. I want, what it, what it, I want to see this book, man. So where, where are you? When, when, when is it going to be done? And when can, we, when can we have you back to talk even more about the book? So oh, you did already. Okay. okay. Um, the problem I didn't know is to get like, I'm trying to get Wiley or some did of Did you say that you, I didn't, did you say you wrote the book already? Yeah, he said he's done. He's already got it, man. Oh, Francis, you just told him it wasn't a book. <laughs> I know. I'm, a, I'm an asshole what a, now. What a, a jerk, man. He already wrote the thing. <laughs> Your life dream doesn't matter anymore. I... <laughs> no, no, no. Francis is completely correct. If I were to do a tactic how-to-based book, I would have to rewrite it every darn day. And, and it's not a tactic how-to book. It's a what to build, how to build it from a people standpoint, from a process standpoint, right. from a reporting standpoint. Because that's the biggest gap. That's the blog post that doesn't exist. The blog posts that don't exist are how do you have internal search marketers report? How do agencies report? All you see are these stupid PDF generated damn things that nobody gives a crap about. And everybody (laughs) wants to automate their report writing with machine learning. And nobody wants to think about why they're even writing them in the first place. Right? Like it's the whole thing's messed up right now. (laughs) And so... I, this is what the book's about and hopefully yeah. maturing it. And yeah, so I wrote the book. The problem is I realized you can't just pitch a book. You have to pick, right. pitch a book proposal. I wrote it all, gave mm-hmm. it to an editor. He's like, that's not going to work. Now I'm rewriting the whole book proposal. So I'm trying to not self-publish. I'd like to see if a publisher will pick it up. Um, you know, it, it's a game I'm not totally familiar with. And I'm learning as I go. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the goal is to help really just mature and yeah. educate search marketers on how they can make the brands 
that they serve more discoverable. Side tangent for a minute. How come you won't self-publish? I don't know. I just thought that there was something that would get me a wider reach if I and give it more authority if it could go through a publishing house. No, he's right. I mean, like if I have, I have a couple friends who have uh, self-published, not um, not industry books, but like fiction, and he's absolutely right. If you want the biggest chance to make money, to make bank, um, you self-publish because you just naturally will get more of the cut. But if distribution and marketing support and getting con- getting it out there is the goal, um, yeah, you got you got to go to a publishing house um, because they already have those contacts built in. So you yeah, this isn't for me and my money. I, I I don't honestly. I could never make a cent on it. This is for me where I I'd love to educate the industry, and I think I can better position my own agency to be differentiated with its own opinions and its own thought leadership. If and I think I can get more of the speaking gigs that I keep getting denied on. And the podcast opportunities that are hard to come by and the guest posts that, well, those were good at, but the actual speaking opportunities and keynoting and all those things, uh, that's where I really want to go with our brand. I've seen a lot of other agencies be very successful like that. A lot of professional services from Ray Delisle to Will Reynolds. They've built entirely large, you know, 1% type firms in their space based on essentially thought leadership from a individual who owns the firm. I think I'm gifted at it. I just haven't figured out how to get the pickup I'd like from speaking conferences. And I, I think a book will help me there. And I'd rather have it be a legit book that really serves the industry than something I self-publish and its reach is as good as I can throw it through paid campaigns. So, you know. Good. That's definitely wasn't my plan. I was just asking for a friend. <laughs> he says with a sly smile. Um, well, listen, um, uh, Garrett, thank you. Um, this was really compelling. And honestly, we should have you back because it would be good to get an update, um, even more of your take of what's going on within the industry. Um, I think you're I think you're doing it right with I agree with you. You gotta get that book, more distribution. Um, and you gotta get this idea out there. You know, unpopular, popular, whatever it is, I think it's compelling and I think this industry could use a shakeup in terms of how things are approached. And um, even a, a basic idea of how to build that team. I think it's very interesting. Um, Jeff and I have both in the past have built teams. I'm sure I've made plenty of mistakes on how to do it. There is no way, there is no like, you should have this type of person. This is the A team of, you know, inbound, inbound marketing. Um, that would be helpful, you know. Um, Andy Barks, so no I want to thank mistake. you. This was a. <laughs> and um, no, I think, I thought it was great. And um, I hope you can, uh, I hope you can come back in the future. No, friends, I'd love to be back. A little recurring guest would be amazing. I love what you guys are doing. So, yeah. no, thanks for having yeah. me. This is special. Thanks a lot, Garrett.